Good morning, Jerry Agar in for John Moore. I hope he's back on Monday. I mean, uh, it's a day-to-day thing, I guess, and I don't know what happens Monday if he's still feeling ill because uh, I'm on vacation next week, so I will not be available. Did everybody who works here write that down? I'm not available. Let me check the schedule. Oh, yeah, John. Uh, w- yeah, John should be in. You're on vacation. Yeah, yeah. Rooming or boarding houses are regaining favor with some Canadian cities as a way to offset a lack of affordable homes. Uh, experts warn there are pitfalls to the once popular form of urban housing. That's from the CP24 report. They are doing it in Montreal. A rooming house in which a person rents a single private room and then shares amenities such as bathrooms or kitchens. The move means the city has the right to match an offer to purchase these houses. If they come up for sale, the city is going to purchase some of them and do it themselves, I guess. You could probably also license for landlords to do the rooming house, uh, if that's not already the kind of thing that landlords can do. Let's follow up on this with Professor Emeritus of Planning at Dalhousie University in Halifax, Jill Grant. Good morning, Professor. Good morning. Would you live in a rooming house? No, (laughs) but I I already have housing, so for me, it's not... It's not an issue, it's, but it is an issue for a lot of people who don't have housing and who are single, don't have high incomes, need supportive housing in some way, and currently don't have any access to it. So it's part of the housing spectrum that we need to be providing. Yeah, you know, old movies like from the 40s or whatever, you would see it all the time. The guy lives in a rooming house run by a woman who owns uh, this house and has a bunch of bedrooms, and you pay whatever you pay um, the month, and uh, and then you have access uh, to some degree to the rest of the house. Although in those movies, the lady that runs the house is always cooking dinner. I don't think that's going to be a part of the comeback of the rooming house. Well, no. In the early part of the 20th century, a large proportion of the population, especially single people who moved to the city, didn't have family there to stay with, did end up uh, renting rooms in either rooming house where they cook their own meals or lodging house or boarding where somebody else provided the meals for an additional fee. It was a very common form of housing, and it was a way for people who had no other form of income but still had property, perhaps widows, to um, supplement their income, keep their homes, and and provide housing. So, yeah, it was a very common, even if families um, were living in rooming houses in, in some situations because it was an affordable option for them. Well, uh, I talked about this a little bit earlier in the morning, and I heard from some people who were saying, well, we're renting out a bedroom in our house, and I think they said $600 uh, a month. Well, that's uh, significantly different than trying to find an apartment in Toronto. Yes, yes. You can you can provide a room in a house for a much lower rate, although it's hard, harder and harder to find ones for $600 a month or or less these days. But, you know, we do see cities across the country trying to meet this need. There's a lot of single people out there who, who can't afford apartments and for whom um, a room with a shared kitchen and, and shared bathroom can provide a reasonable option if those projects are well managed and um and so we do see some cities trying to do that here in Halifax. The city has provided some options um, 
along with shelter societies trying to to meet the need for single people who are lacking shelter we we have a couple of these units uh in the central parts of both Halifax and Dartmouth and the city has also uh, made arrangements with some hotels that were underutilized to turn some of them into single room occupancy options for people. Well, what's the difference then, Professor, between um, the, the rooming house and Airbnb? Well, Airbnb is a is usually renting out more than just a room, although sometimes they do rent out rooms, but they're not renting it out at a low rate. It's it's intended to compete with the with a market that is higher end for the most part, so it's not going to be as affordable as people need for permanent housing. Well, what we need to help people a lot of people who are looking for single room options need additional assistance in other ways, supports for uh, finding work or getting health care. And so rooming houses can be an option to get people into housing first so that they can then deal with other issues in their lives that they may need to manage before they can get into other kinds of housing options later on. So, you know, I do think that we we need to see our governments putting the supports in place to, to help people get into housing so that they can deal with these other health issues in their lives. Jill Grant is a professor emeritus of planning at Dalhousie University in Halifax. The CP24 story tells us that the city of Montreal is uh, putting in place um, an opportunity for the city to have first right of refusal to purchase about 100 privately owned rooming houses uh, in which the person rents a single room and shares the amenities. Um, the In Toronto, I don't know how it's working in Montreal or in Halifax where you are, Professor, but in Toronto, I would hate to see the city do this as opposed to license private people to do it because I think there's general agreement here in Toronto that the worst landlord in Toronto is the city of Toronto. Well, the, the city, um, I don't believe they directly run the housing. There is a community housing association, and that's what you're referring to. Um, but in, in some ways, it, it doesn't matter who is going to be running things as long as they are properly managed. I mean, we do have some, we do have in many cities, private landlords who have been running rooming houses. Part of the problem, though, has been part of the problem that makes them undesirable uh, to many other residents and neighborhoods is that they haven't always been properly managed and run. So they've been a way for landlords to kind of sit on properties and wait for the values to improve or other options to come up. And that's one of the reasons why Montreal is is doing what it's doing, trying to protect that supply, because otherwise it will be lost to gentrification and to redevelopment opportunities that that mean... um, other kinds of housing goes into that that is more expensive. So um, whether it, whether it's a city, whether it's nonprofit, uh, certainly there are nonprofit associations who run rooming houses and do it very well. So, but they need they need financial support that to happen. So if it's not the cities that's doing it, then the province needs to make sure they provide the resources to other kinds of groups like nonprofits. Cities have have stepped into this. 
largely because the provinces have not been doing what they need to be doing. The provinces are ultimately responsible for housing, that it comes under their jurisdiction, but they haven't been willing to do what it takes to meet the demand for for housing, and, and it's going to take resources to do that in the contemporary market where housing is so overvalued that um, people are really struggling to find it. There's, a, there's not the resources to build more. So, um, I mean, ultimately, if if it's not going to be left to the municipalities as it seems to have been in so many places, then the provinces need to step up and do their bit. Yeah, well, we have sort of competing goals and competing needs, um, and I'm talking about Toronto here specifically, and that is, I understand what you're saying when you say if you've got a rooming house that has five bedrooms in it and five people can live there at a fairly reasonable rate, you hate to see that disappear. On the other hand, we have a supply issue in Toronto, and if a couple of rooming houses are lost to put up a, a building that has 400 units in it, uh, which one is the better way to go? That's Those are the decisions that have to be made. Um, now, well, it's not always quite as simple as that, but I mean, we do have a supply issue, but the supply that's being built is not meeting the need for those at the low end of the market, as we all know. It's, it's basically we're providing a supply that is driving up the cost of housing even more because it's coming in at the high end of the market. So we do have an issue. We need to be providing more supply across the entire housing spectrum, and that is challenging in a time when there's not sufficient labor. And um, there's certainly not the necessary interest from, from some levels of government to be providing the housing that we need at the low end of the market. We haven't been building social housing, public housing, for decades, and there's a real need there. So, um, you know, it, in many cases, in some of these rooming houses, you have large numbers of people living, and I know we've seen in Halifax some of those, some of those units disappear from the market for rooming houses only to become a couple of apartments that that maybe house a third as many people in the in the end and at a much higher rate rents so um, yes if we could get uh, 400 units in a space where previously we had only been able to accommodate five people that would be great but we still need to have accommodations in that building for those five low-end renters who can't afford to be spending $2,500 a month for an apartment. They, they don't have the means to do that. Jill Grant is a professor emeritus of planning at Dalhousie University in Halifax. Thanks very much. Thank you.